Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. You're listening to Forever Blue. This is a podcast, so it's obviously delayed. It's after the event, which means we ran a competition during the hour or so when I was talking to Paul Dickoff and Gary Cook, the former CEO, and Ian Penny, the author of The City Alphabet, a complete who's who of Manchester City. The competition lines have clearly closed now, so please don't enter. But if you haven't heard the show, here's the podcast. This is the Manchester Football Social, Forever Blue, with Ian Cheeseman. And here once again, it's an hour of non-stop Manchester City, unapologetically for the next hour, and boy, have we got a treat for you. Not only do I have the living legend that is Paul Dickoff sat in the studio alongside me, but we'll be speaking to the man who brokered the deal that brought the shake to Manchester City, the one and only Gary Cook will be joining us live. And, as if that's not enough, Ian Penny, who is a noted Manchester City author, has one of his books here to talk about, and one of them for you to win. And City carry on winning as well, Paul. So it's it's all good, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you know, four games into the season, ten points from twelve. Um, great start. Very similar to last season. You know, they had the draw against Everton, um, and we all know what happened then. But I, I genuinely think, keep saying it, that this City squad is is better than last year's. Are you worried at all the fact that there are three teams up there who've won all four games? I know it's relatively early, but. I know City have matched what they did last season. I did a little bit of a maths thing on it, and if City win three, draw one of every four games, and I know that it doesn't divide exactly, they get 94 points, 95 it might be. That's going to be enough to win the league anyway, but do you, do you worry about the fact that Liverpool, Chelsea and Tottenham have all made perfect starts? I think you've got to, <clears throat> got to worry about them a little bit. Um, you know, Chelsea, I feel, have maybe not got the squad to sustain it. I think Liverpool will be our biggest challengers. I think they've made some fantastic signings in the summer. Um, but on the back of that, I still think that that gap from last season is too much for them to make up. Um, you know, we have now got a squad full of people that know how to win the Premier League. Um, we've got a squad that you look at the bench in the games that we've played. It's been that they would get in anybody's um, first eleven in the Premier League. You know, and it just shows you that um, the strength and depth we've got, the experience that we've got, the football that we played last year, the team's just going to get better and better. 
Obviously, City's performances in the last two games have probably not been quite the same standard as they were against Arsenal and Huddersfield. 6-1 against Huddersfield and a 2-0 and win down at Arsenal. The last two have been less convincing. Is that perhaps just... Pep's been saying that that's probably because of the slow coming back from the World Cup. There's been other factors involved in that. And maybe after this international break, we start to see City at their flowing best. Do you, do you buy into that? Yeah, I do. And it's difficult as a player um, if you've not had a full pre-season and to come into the Premier League and hit the ground running and um, and start performing at your very, very best. It does take a little bit of time. And a majority of that squad haven't had a pre-season. You know, we, were, we were out there in the States with them, you know, and I think it was probably Mares and a couple of others, Leroy Sané, and that was it. You know, the rest came back in ribs and drabs, maybe even the week before the season started, and it will take time for them to get in the stride. But what you've got to do is is when that's happening and you're finding your best form is pick up results, and that's what City have been doing. There's a lot of conspiracy theories out from City fans as to why Leroy Sané's not playing. Is it because he was dropped from the Germany World Cup squad, that he's had a bit of a downer, that he's had a fallout with, with the manager? We saw last year that Yaya Toure, for a long stretch, didn't play in the first team, and that was seen as Pep sort of, I don't know, bringing him down to earth, or however people saw that, and then we saw after that a different type of player is the same thing happening with Leroy I don't suppose you've got any inside knowledge but what, what's your guess on, on what's happening there um, I wouldn't from my own um, being in, around the club and, and seeing Leroy train and pre-season and, and seeing how he works I would definitely not say there's an attitude problem there you know and I think people for you look back to the first seven games of last season I don't think Leroy Sani started a game you know and then he went on to become young player of the year you know so whether that's got something to do with it as well um, you don't know and the other thing just touching it City squad you know there's probably only Ederson and Fernandinho maybe Kyle Walker and Mendy that are going to be guaranteed their places you look at the competition in the centre half you look at Aguero and Jesus and you look at the wide spaces now you know with Sterling um, obviously Leroy Sani Mares has come in now and then you've got Bernardo Silva you've got David Silva you've got Kevin De Bruyne so at points all the way through the season players are going to be missing four or five games you know and it's how they react to that he's still young he's still learning He's going to be a phenomenal player and he'll have a huge part to play this season. I just think it's it's very easy when somebody's not um, been picked for the first four games. Um, and it's very easy when you're Manchester City and you're being successful at the minute to try and make something out and what it's not. Lino Sani will have a huge, huge part to play this season. One player who hasn't played as much as we th I thought perhaps he would do, given his price tag, even though I'm not sure you'll say price tag's got nothing to do with it, is, is Mares. Um, he played, of course, against Newcastle at the weekend. He didn't really catch people's imagination in the way that they'd been hoping. Is that is that just a case of playing the pep way, settling in? Yeah, but both really, but settling in more than anything else. You know, it's not, and I'll go back to the pre-season thing again. You know, normally a new signing comes in and has five, six weeks with his teammates. You know, um, Mares Riyad hasn't been able to do that. You know, the, probably some of his teammates maybe met the week before the season started. You know, and it, it does take time for it to happen. Um, but I've no doubt, we've seen the quality they had at Leicester. You know, I've seen the quality up close in training in pre-season. You know, he's, he's super talented, loads and loads of ability. And he's just going to add um, add a little bit more to what we've got going forward already. He was at the launch of the new third kit, a little video that the club did. And you could see, well, it, I mean, obviously these videos are now done deliberately to make it look like that. But he looked like a really nice guy who wants to be here. 
Uh, and again, the sceptics will say, well, who wouldn't want to be at City at the moment? But he looks as if he's a comfortable player. doesn't look as if he's an angry player or a player who's going to be throwing his toys out the pram. So it's, it's a case of being patient with him, isn't it? It is, and, you know, obviously I've, I've got connections at Leicester as well, and he was very well liked down there the time that he was there. You know, he came from um, the lower leagues in, in France and became a superstar, but it never went to his head at all. You know, his teammates liked him and all the staff behind the scenes liked him and just thought he was a genuinely, genuinely good bloke, but a top-class player as well. You know, and, but what will happen now is he'll have to move on to a different level now, purely because of the players he's playing with, but that will make him better as well. Um, he could have possibly went other places, um, so I give him a lot of credit for coming to City because he's walking into a Man City side with Raheem Sterling who's just scored 23 goals and Leroy Sane who's just won Young Player of the Year in his position. So it shows you that he wants it and he wants to be competitive and then he wants to try and prove himself and better himself again and this is the best place for that to happen. A couple of other players I wanted to mention was, uh, we'll come to Sterling in a minute, but Mendy, what have you made of, of what you've seen of him so far? Yeah, well, he's, he's a huge asset. I think we've all seen the, the, the previous year before he signed. Um, what sort of player he was at Monaco, you know, um, for him to come back, or right, a couple of cameo roles towards the end of last season, um, was huge for him. I think he needed to get little bits of minutes in before the World Cup, and then um, biggest thing getting a full pre-season behind him. Um, but he's he's going to be a star if he's not already. You know, he's the way the manager wants to play, the way Man City played. The full-backs are a huge, huge part of it. We've seen how influential Kyle Walker was last year and how he has been this year, and you know, and to have Mendy on that side as well. You know, it just creates a lovely balance for the whole team. Raheem Sterling's obviously pulled out the England squad through injury. Um, is, is that is that a concern that he's got an injury? I mean, obviously, again, there'll be sceptics who'll say he hasn't been popular with the England press. He's had stick when during the World Cup, etc. There seems to be. I don't know if there is or not, and a little bit of an agenda against him. Could it just be that he doesn't fancy it, or what, what, how do you read it all? No, I think the way Raheem performed in the World Cup, he was fantastic, as he has been since um, since last season. You know, and he's went into this season and carried it on again. You know, scored a fantastic goal at the weekend again. Um, I don't think City fans have any doubt about him, by the way, do they? No, they don't. They don't. They don't neither should they. You know, he was magnificent last season, um, and he's just carried that on again this season. I think it probably my my guess would be, and I've been in that. That position as well, you know, he's, he's had a long summer with the World Cup, he's came straight back into it, he's, it's a four games in a short space of time in the Premier League and maybe he's just a little bit fatigued, he might have a little strain somewhere and, you know, to have this two week break rather than going away with England and playing another two games and training all the time, it'll be the best thing for him. A couple of other subjects I wanted to mention before we bring Ian in, who's, who's come down today, the, the author, the esteemed author, it, it, the Champions League draw was made, um, obviously it looks on paper as if that's a relatively straightforward group, but we know from experience that sometimes those are the ones that trip you up. What have, what have you made of the three teams that City have drawn? Um, I, I think it's quite nice. You know, the previous years there was always a Barcelona or a Bayern Munich in there. You know, and um, as you on paper it looks relatively easy, but the Champions League, you know, it's it's difficult. It can throw things in front of you that sometimes you don't expect. But I comfortably think we'll, we'll finish top of the group in that, and there'll be a real determination. Um, from everybody at the club to do well in this year's Champions League after the disappointment of last season and um, I think the group will be tough but I expected to, to win quite comfortably. Last season City that showed that they could get Breeze almost past Shakhtar Donetsk. Leon, uh, they've they've had some uncertainty I suppose you might say as well. The one in that group that actually came from pot four that I slightly fear is Hoffenheim because they might be underestimated as a German team who always have very good support inside their own ground. They're new to the competition. 
Uh, they, they could be one of those that, that catch a few people out, don't you think? Yeah, I do, because they'll go in with no fear. <clears throat> you know, people won't be expecting them to do anything, and sometimes <clears throat> when, as a player and as a team, when you go out and play without that fear, you can cause a lot of upsets within that. Um, I just worry, um, and a bit like Shakhtar and possibly Leon as well, it's it's the, the strength and depth that they've got. You know, if, if all three teams have got their first 11 out, it'll be difficult for Man City because it's the Champions League and there's no easy games. You know, but you just wonder how long they can sustain that for throughout the group stages. Oxford away in the League Cup, that's a, that's a tricky little one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is, but it's great. You Have know? you been to Oxford, by the way, as a manager? I bet you've been recently, haven't you? Uh, no, recently. no, I didn't. I played um, I played at the old stadium in Man City years and years ago. Um, and obviously played at um, the stadium they're in now as well. And it's a strange one because it's only got three sides. I was going to say, so, what's it uh, like playing there if you've played there? It's, it's a bit bizarre. You can't <laughs> quite get your bearings. Well, that was my excuse for not scoring when I went there, actually. <laughs> Um, but now that that'll be tough as well. Oxford will be massively up for it. Great tie for them, but it's a good tie for the club as well, you know. And we fully expect Pep to to play some of the wonderful, talented kids that we've got in that game as well. Now, the other subject I wanted to mention was the this rearranged Tottenham game, uh, which was moved to a Sunday, four o'clock for for TV coverage. Uh, and now, after a, a period in limbo, this is obviously because Tottenham's ground's not ready. They wanted to move it to Wembley. There's an NFL game on the Sunday. It's now moved to Monday night. Which, on the face of it, a lot of fans at home might say, oh, well, that means Monday night in front of the telly instead of Sunday afternoon in front of the telly. But for those who've committed, those who were told that that was a definite fixture, who've booked weekends away, hotels, trains and all that sort of thing, and the club, by the way, have put on free coaches, but and that might help some people, but it won't help all those people, will it? You must feel some sympathy uh, for that. I mean, it's Absolutely. nothing to do with City, is it? No, it's not at all. You know, nothing to do with the club at all. You just wonder why that decision has been allowed to be made and not, um, and the game's been changed. You know, it's already on Sky at four o'clock. Um, and as you rightly say, a lot of people won't just be going down for the game. They'll be looking at that and making a weekend of it. They'll be booking restaurants, booking theatres. Um, lads will be group booking their nights out before they go down and then with it being in the Monday if the fans do want to get there I'm fantastic for Man City for putting the coaches on but then they're going to have to take the Monday off the work as well you know so it doesn't sit well with me at all you know and I, I do feel for the City fans but as always they'll be down there on the Monday night and their numbers um, cheering the team on that's for sure absolutely now we've got Ian Penny with us uh, very welcome along Ian thanks for having me now you've got a book um, and I know you've, you've already showed it to Paul and uh, you've let me have a look at it as well uh, and this is going to be a competition prize, isn't it, it uh, is. this evening? Just tell me what inspired you to write this, because it fits in quite well. And just before you, you give me the answer to that, let me just play this little bit of audio, because at the weekend I did uh, the vlog, um, which uh, which I do every week, of course, mm -hmm. it goes on com and then on my YouTube channel, and I asked questions about who were the legends of Manchester City. And uh, there is a, a, a new painting that's been that's been done called The Dream Scene, and it has got Paul Dickoff in it, so he must be a legend. But Snuck I, in there. I knew that anyway. Um, but I asked a few fans um, who they thought were the legends and why. Georgie King Classy, I love him. Thought he was a great player, good all rounder when he was on his day. Could be a bit lazy, you know what I mean? But he uh, he did a job. He did a job. I, I, I love him. Colin Bell, the IR Torre, Franny Lee, longevity. Sheer brilliance. You've got to have that legacy that people in 20, 30 years are going to be telling the kids about. So I was told about Colin Bell, Summerby, Franny Lee, those legends, they are legends of our club and that's what I was told about when I was young. Well, my heroes are people like uh, Asa Hartford, uh, Tommy Booth, Joe Corrigan, 
uh, Paul Power, you know, guys of the, you know, 70s, late 60s, of course, the modern day ones, for me, Vincent Company, Pablo Zapalata, who, who's left now, Sergio, I mean, the list is, it goes on, Kevin De Bruyne, I'd, I'd class him as one. I look at somebody who's a legend, as somebody who's, who's passed away, who's been at a club for 10 years and then passed away and, and thought off still really highly. A legend that I've always liked is Carlos Tevez, as, as I was growing up, he was always my favourite player and I... I idled him for quite a long time. He scored a lot of goals whilst I was watching him. Two of the voices you in, uh, heard in there, by the way, were Ian Brightwell and Richard Edgill, who were two former City players themselves. Um, those are some of the legends that were picked out. Uh, Carlos Tevez, I know people have commented on whether or not he's a legend, but that's, that's the great beauty of this. Ian, you've got the book here, which is called The City Alphabet, a, a complete who's who of City. You haven't categorised these. You haven't said... These are legends, these aren't legends. What do you consider to be a legend? I think most of it's been said on the previous clip. Um, longevity, obviously talent, commitment, and then there's people like Paul and Sean no longer playing, but they still talk about City as us, and that, for me, makes a legend. I don't think Mike Doyle's name was mentioned then, but Mike Doyle was in the team when I first started watching him. Neil Young was another one as well. Before my time, Frank Swift, uh, Bert Troutman, people like that as well that I never saw play. But, um, again, historically, you look at the facts and figures, the number of appearances, uh, what they actually contributed to the club. I mean, pretty much everybody's in there from 1892 to 2016 in the book. So you can take your pick out of there because some of them aren't legends some, by any stretch of the imagination. Some of them will be fans' favourites, which is not necessarily the same thing. But, as I say, the, the words like longevity, commitment... Um, and also what, what they actually brought to the team. I mean, Kim Cladsey was just fantastic because he was so head and shoulders above everybody else at the time, you know. The present-day ones, Zabaleta, company, uh, Aguero, because of what they've already contributed, and the latter two, hopefully, what they will be contributing as well. One name that hasn't been mentioned in that list and hasn't been mentioned yet, which I will mention, is Tony Buck. He's 84 Absolutely. today. And, uh, and he is not only a great player from the past... He's been a great manager, he was a coach of youth team football, he's now still there at every game as an ambassador. He was the kept man when I signed. He's done everything, hasn't he? And he he goes to every function, he's like Tommy Booth, he goes to every single function. I know you travel all over the world in the name of uh, Manchester City, Paul, but uh, but Booth, he travels all over Greater Manchester, as does Bucky, doesn't he? Yeah, and they're great, you know, it's fantastic to see them on a match day. And Skip, I always remember, I was was so scared of Skip when I first signed for the club. (laughs) You know, he'd been the kit man, he'd been the captain, he'd been the manager, won everything. But just a lovely, lovely guy. And, and you're t- talking about legends, I couldn't think of any better than, than Tony Book. Well, this is a, a hardback uh, book. It is A4 size and it's littered with biographies, mini biographies, I suppose you'd say, mm-hmm. of, of all the uh, great... Uh, there can't be anybody missing out of that, can there, Ian? Well, hopefully not. Hopefully it took me three years to put it together, so hopefully I'm not. But uh, the, the other studio guest is in. He's read his piece. He's approved it. So He's legaled it. He's oh, legaled yeah. it. So I'm on, I'm on, as soon as we come in. I'm, it's, it's I'm OK. Word for word, that's fine. I'm OK with that. I'm well, listen, okay in, that. in about two or three minutes from now, I'm going to ask you a question and you'll be able to text in the answer. And if you are drawn out of the hat... Uh, as the winner, uh, you will find out before we go off air at 7 o'clock this evening. Uh, but stay tuned, because next up we're going to be speaking to the former CEO of City, the man who 
who really was the orchestrator of, of Shinawatra initially coming in, then the Sheikh coming in. So just as where would we be without the Heroes of 99 and that goal by Paul Dickoff and that knee slide, where would we be without Gary Cook? We'll talk to the man live right after this. This is the Manchester Football Social, Forever Blue, with Ian Cheeseman. Welcome along. If you've never joined us before, you are even more welcome. This is Forever Blue. I am Ian Cheeseman, and alongside me is the legend that is Paul Dickoff. We have the author Ian Penny with us in the studio as well. In a moment, we're going to speak to Gary Cook. But first of all, let's give you the chance to win this book, which is right in front of me. It'll be signed by Mike Summerby and the one and only Mr. Paul Dickoff as well. You can even get Ian Penny to sign it if you want, because uh, he is the author. Um, right, the text number you need, 87711. I'll repeat that in a second. But the book is called The City Alphabet, a complete who's who of Manchester City. It's in conjunction with the City Former Players Association. The question you have to answer to text in, so make sure that you put your name on it and the town you're from, that'll be helpful. And the answer to this question, which club did City sign Vincent Company from? Which club did City sign Vincent... Put your hand down, Paul. And you, Ian, come on, you wrote the book. So if you know the answer to that, then text 87711. 87711. Just those five numbers, and then just put the name of the club. Uh, you can put your own name and work the town you're from, and you could be in possession of that book. Not by the end of the show, because you will, it'll still be here, but, you know, by the time it's sent through the post here. Right, OK, let's, uh, let's celebrate something else now. Ten years since Manchester City had new owners in the shape of Sheikh Mansur. What a change that has made, Paul, hasn't it? Phenomenal. Um, obviously, I remember when they came in. You know, I'd just left the club. Um, and the stride that they've taken um, has just been absolutely phenomenal. You know, to um, something I want to ask Gary in a second as well, actually, is um, I don't think even the owners and the, the, the board and the people that were involved in it at the time could have foreseen the success in the short space of time. You know, and um, I always say it, and I always do, that what they've done, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch, you know, the surrounding areas. Um, but one of the big things for me is, you know, I signed in 95, 96, and there's still a lot of people working at the club now that were working then. You know, I could go Danny Wilson, Vicky Kloss, Claire Marsden, you know, Chappie's still involved. I could, I could name me loads and loads of players that are still there, and the owners have to take huge credit for that because... So many times you see new owners coming in, um, they just clean everybody else out um, and bring new people in and constantly bring new people in, but they've made sure that the core of the club is still there. Um, and I say it all the time, it's the fans I'm happy for, you know, because uh, what they've been through um, previously, you know, a long time without success and a lot of hurt as well at the same time. So to see the fans getting the success they're getting now for me is, is, is just amazing. Absolutely. I can remember sitting in a jacuzzi at my local gym when somebody said, the BBC are on the phone to you. Apparently, um, City have just signed Rubinho and there's a new owner and all this business. I'm thinking, what? What's going on? Well, the man who knew what was going on and was at the centre of all this was the man who joins us now, Mr Gary Cook, who was CEO and, 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 and dream maker, was at the centre of all this. Gary, a lot of City fans have said to me straight away, pass on, I will love to him, because Gary Cook is loved by us City fans, so that's the first thing that I want to do. Um, you were right at the centre of this. Just just talk us through it, if you would, because you, you were there when Shinawatra came in, you were there when, when uh, the Sheikh came in, and just, just tell us about the part you played. Well, uh, first of all, good evening. 
Hey, evening. Ian, how, how are you? Paul, Very well. How are you, my friend? I'm great, Gary. Um, Good to speak to you, buddy. Yeah, you too, mate. And um, just incidentally, Ian, um, my name's on the uh, Vincent Company paperwork. Can I still qualify no. for the draw? <laughs> And number two, the very first person I met on my very first day at Carrington was the very um, guest on your show, Paul Dickoff, who was in the gym. He might not have been signed by the club, but he was using our equipment at the time. So um, it's, it's great to sort of relive some of the memories way back when I had joined in 2008. And I think um, it was clear to, to, to see that we'd gone through episodes and episodes of uh, uncertainty there was certain amounts of disillusion and there was there was really a, um, a lot of skepticism within the football club in fact I remember going to the club shop and trying to identify what the fans thought of the club and where our ambition began and ended and uh, lo and behold the best-selling item in the shop was the DVD that showed our home and away win against United and that was really the ceiling if I remember back in 2008 if you won both of those games that was a relatively good season I think we've come a long way since then and uh, as Paul quite rightly pointed out the owners uh, should take uh, a good portion of that responsibility but I also think a lot of the people inside the football club should take a lot of that responsibility I think you can always look back in time and look back at 2008 and it was about Vincent Company, it was about Zabaleta um, you know, it, it, it sort of then it became about Rubinho then it became about Adebayor and you could list a whole bunch of them and you get all the way through Gareth Barry and and you talk about Yaya Torre and David Silva and then it became about Tevez or Aguero and everybody's played their party and and the football club didn't begin business in 2008. I think most fans that will be listening to this show will know the ups and downs of being a City fan for many, many years. Everybody has played their part in the years. Mark Hughes, uh, Sven Goran Eriksson, way back, even way back before then. And I always call out Alistair McIntosh and John Wardle and everybody was clinging to the wreckage up until that day, the 31st of August, when we knew then that the world at Manchester City was about to change, but the world of football was about to change. Well, you might be, knowing you as I am, as I do, reluctant to take any great praise yourself and you've avoided it so far in that answer which is very laudable and obviously all those people that you've mentioned do deserve a lot of credit but I wanted to tell me your part in all this because you 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 know this is your job you know people who know your history with the Michael Jordan brand and, and, and Nike and all the rest of it you're a you're a wheeler and dealer a very clever man behind the scenes and you sort of brokered what happened so without you all of those names you've just listed may not have been at Manchester City and the club might not be what it is. And I'm not saying it's all down to one individual or you, but you played a big part. Can you just, just tell us how, how it all happened? Well, I've always said that Manchester City had three core pillars of opportunity and if not opportunity, they, they should always be very proud of these three things. The first one is that the club is a part of the community and the community is a part of the club and we've had, as we talked about our own scepticism around the world of football, there were three or four clubs that had become, if you like, 
global um, opportunities and global entities. And we were priding ourselves on our local capability, and that was all in part to our great community work. And we also sat in the middle of East Manchester, which to some was sort of a bit of a desert or, a, or an oasis of, um, you know, the, the history of Manchester in the last 30, 40 years, which had fallen on harder times on the East. But actually, if you look through a different lens, it was a massive opportunity to develop the land, to develop the community, to build out what could possibly become the world's leading uh, sports facility uh, in any country, anywhere in the world, in any sport. And the third part was I felt that City and the Blue had enough history and heritage to be proud of that you could develop a brand around that. So, so that thinking, if you notice, none of that mentioned put 11 footballers on the football pitch and try and win the league. That's, that, I always felt that that will become a part of uh, better management, better organization, better processes, organizing yourself and preparing yourself to be a sustainable and successful football club over the next 5, 10, 15 and 20 years. Now, admittedly, and I'll, I'll always be on record, admittedly, it's a blessing when you have the right levels of capital to be able to do that. But I think what you have to do in any walk of life is to create a dream, create a vision, and have everybody try and shake off the mediocrity uh, that, had, that had sort of, you know, emblazoned the club for, for so long. And of course, we got criticized for it, if you remember, Ian. We were criticized for saying we were going to be better than we were. We were criticized for saying we're going to be one day, people will sit up and look and pay attention and listen. Um, but of course, it manifested itself throughout the club, and uh, everybody should be proud of that. You still avoided giving yourself any credit, haven't you? I mean, you, there's a, there is a director at the club now, Simon Pearce, who is, I think, the Sheikh's right-hand man, and who is also another man who's been very instrumental in this. And I remember meeting you and Simon Pearce in one of the offices at City when different things were happening at the time. And so I, I feel as if I have got some sort of an insight as to how important your role was. Do you remember, through, through either through Simon or directly yourself, Sheikh Mansur or his people ringing you up and, and wanting to buy into the club? Yeah, no, there was, there were, you know, we'd spent a lot of time uh, in the first 90 days uh, when I alerted uh, Taksin Shunawatra after 10 days inside the club. I arrived in May 2008, and within 15 days we were alerting the owner that, uh, that we've got some challenges ahead. And within 60 days, we were on the verge of going into administration. Uh, that creates some problems. It creates some problems at the time. It, 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 uh, we had to get everybody engaged, including the Premier League, including the owners, and we tried to find a solution. And then the way it works, Ian, is you've got to create uh, a plan and you've got to create a document, which you know is basically what they call the book, and that has to show the financials and it has to show your ambition and the vision for the future. And then you take that on the street and you go try and sell your football club. I mean, that's as simple as it sounds. I may be paraphrasing for effect, but that's what you do. And so you walk up and down the streets of London, the city of London, and you try and find somebody. And uh, we, we found some associates of uh, the Arab uh, authorities 
who were looking for, to buy a football club and we started talking about the opportunity at Manchester City and they were equally looking at other opportunities and uh, fortunately they believed our dream, believed our vision and um, they were compelled to continue the discussion and I think what happened, which was unique, it wouldn't happen today. There was a one-page document which is a memorandum of understanding and within a week um, they had decided that they wanted to buy Manchester City and there was a loan given to us to buy an, a marquee player on the last day or we were given two days to find a marquee player. Paul Dickoff wasn't available at the time. <laughs> and uh, so we had to go into the market anywhere in the world we could find a player. So did you did you have to persuade the, the Arab owners, the Sheikh and, and Abu Dhabi to come in? Did they come to you? What uh, was a persuasion in that? No, there was. A, I wouldn't say it was any one person, Ian. It was a number of people that were trying to convince, uh, you know, investors into the football club, and and it was a compendium of opportunities. If you remember back then, there was a little bit of a false start. Um, there was uh, a guy by the name of Suleiman Al Faim, yeah. um, <laughs> who who was sort of the spokesperson and caused Vicky Kloss, who everybody has the greatest respect for, it caused an early to have uh, heart palpitations when we started declaring we were going to take over the world. And that wasn't really the best way to do it either. So so we, we had lots of conversations. It wasn't a single phone call. It wasn't a single meeting. Um, it was a, it was a, you know, a plethora of, uh, of conversations, but at the end of the day, it's all done through the lawyers and the lawyers are instructed to engage once you get a promise to move forward. And uh, from that, we never look back. You must be very proud of the part you've played and the outcome of the deal that you did and where City are today and, you know, your involvement in all that. Yeah, I, well, of course I am, because it sits on my resume that I was once the CEO of Manchester City, one of the greatest football clubs in the world. And uh, that, that you can't take away from, from people because it's there. But it, but it was, as I always say, it was never, it was never me. What my, uh, my strength, if you like, there was putting a great group of people together. We had some already there. Uh, everybody had worked hard, uh, clinging to the wreckage for a long time. They were passionate. They were committed. And so on a personal level, it took an awful lot out of everybody. Uh, on a professional level, I think everybody can look back over those initial years and be very proud that we feel that we perhaps built the foundations of the dream for the future. And many of the things that we said we would create and build have been built. Many of the things that we said we would do and could do have been done. But I always think that Manchester City is not a finished article, nor was it, uh, it started way back in the late 1800s and it's going to continue on and CEOs will come uh, and, and they'll leave and managers will come and leave and employees will do the same and more so the players, but the fans are the ones that remain the same. And so... I, my job at that time was to be the guardian of the club and to uh, point us in the right direction. I, I think that's what everybody should do when they're leading a business. And uh, I, I'm proud to say I was pointing everybody in the right direction and fortunately we got it right. Gary, it's Nicky here. Um, you've been very humble, mate, because I know from a personal point of view the amount of work that you put into that club. Um, and I do think you should be, be very proud of it, mate. 
Um, the other thing, I also remember that day in 2008 when we sat for a, it seemed like hours just chatting about football. Did you or the owners at the point, could you have envisaged the success that they've had in 10 years? You know, the three Premier League titles in the last seven years, the competing at the top end of the Champions League, the FA Cups, League Cups, and the players that get in, the style of football they're playing. Ten years ago, was I know the dream was there, but do you think it's went beyond that now? Or is that what the owners would have expected at that time? No, I think that's a great question, uh, Paul. I think with hindsight, as you well know, in football, everybody's fantastic, aren't they, on the Monday after the game? And it's the same 10 years later, and everybody thinks, well, you know, you didn't get Kaka, or you didn't get this, or you signed Adebayor, or, or whoever it might have been. And everybody sort of has their own opinion. It's a very subjective uh, um, sector or industry. And um, the truth of it is you deal with what you've got at the time to get done as quickly as you can what you can in order to try and achieve your ambition, right? So, yes, we always wanted to win the Champions League. Yes, we always wanted to win the FA Cup. And yes, we wanted to win the league. But there is no time uh, and there's certainly no script. And so you have to write that script. And we wrote it the best way that we could with what we had. Um, you know, there were there were players that didn't want to join Manchester City uh, at the time. There were managers who didn't want to join Manchester City at the time. So everybody did what they could with what they had. And uh, would you like to accelerate it? Yes. But has it taken clubs a lot longer? Yes. And in some cases, Paul, as you well know, it's some clubs have tried it and it never and never achieved it. So. I think what we did was uh, was was remarkable in the space of time, and I think Cheeky is already on record as saying some clubs have 60, 70 years to do what we did. Um, we signed 20 players in three uh, in three years, six windows. That's an awful lot of players, um, and a lot of people to put into a new group. So we went as quick as we could. We did the best that we could. Uh, I think they've they're achieving way beyond perhaps our expectations. Paul and I both know what a big part you played. You've undersold yourself tonight, but I wouldn't expect anything else from you, Gary, because of the type of guy you are. But thank you. And I know I speak for a lot of City fans who do realise the part you've played and see Ian Penny, for example, applauding and nodding along as we say in this. Thanks very much for what you did, Gary, and you should be very proud of what, what you've achieved for our club. Thank you. Great to speak to you, buddy. Thanks, mate, and give my love to all the Blues out there. Thanks a lot. That's Gary Cook joining us live on XS Manchester Forever Blue. Right, after this, we'll tell you... Well, the lines are now going to close, eight double seven double one. We'll give you two minutes. We'll give you two minutes, right? Two more minutes. Where did City sign Vincent Company from? The other side of this, we'll tell you the answer and talk to the author. Paul Dickoff, the aforementioned legend, is sat next to me looking bronze because he travels the world in the name of Manchester City. Hard rock it is. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And the, the slightly less bronzed pair of the two Ians, Ian Penny and myself, are here as well. And Ian, is a, he sits in a dark room with the lights dimmed down. Because you're an author, aren't you? True, I am, yes. <laughs> Amongst other things. <laughs> How hard was it to do this book? By the way, the lines are now closed. 87711 was the number. It's now shut. The answer... I'll tell you who's the winner in a little while. Uh, well, you'll know the answer to this. So I'll, I'll, well, in fact, no, Paul was putting his hand up before. Where did City sign Vincent Company Pressure. from? Um, Hamburg. Correct! Well, you don't get it, right? We've got, a, we've got a winner later on. Is it later on or is it now? We're going to do it now. Right, OK, we've got the, the winner. Um, and it is... 
I can't. You expect <laughs> me to read that? What does it say? It says it's John in Levenshume. That was Joe, by the way, with the, the mystery voice. Uh, Joe in Levenshume. Hiya, Joe. It's John, mate. John, 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 sorry. Right. Right, it's happened before. <laughs> so, who's the city legend for you? Who, who, t- describe a legend to me. I just say two words in Vincent Company. It's, it's just everything that they should be, and it's. I know Dick Off was there at Wembley when he did what he did, and it's great. And you yourself, what you're doing is. With hey, the, listen, uh, I'm not a legend. The it's these people that are the legends, not me. Well, me and my kids would disagree because we watch them all the time, especially away games. Well, uh, well done. You've won the City Alphabet, the complete who's who of Manchester City. Uh, we'll get your uh, your address, of course, down, and we'll whiz that across to you, and that'll be... You could, you, we won't tell anybody if you don't want, but Mike Summerby and Paul Dickov have signed it, so I'm sure you want to keep it. Well, you, you could give it as a present to somebody, couldn't you, and get, buy another one. Yeah, it could do, yeah. Yeah, could do. <laughs> doesn't <laughs> sound like you are going to do, does it? <laughs> twist his arm, twist his arm. It's a great ball. Anyway, thanks for it. Well done, John. That's John, who's our winner in Levens Hume. Right, uh, tell us about this. What, why did you write it, in? Um, it's a sort of second edition, really, of a book I did back in 2005, 2006, which came as an idea from Roy Cheatham. Uh, who Former known, City player. Exactly, who I've known for many years, uh, courtesy of the writing and the fact that I go to, I attend a lot of the former players' dinners. And he said, uh, you should write a book about what happens to the old guys, the old players, uh, when they stop playing and they have to get proper jobs. And then about three years ago, he came to me frustrated and he said, every time I go in a bookshop, there's never a proper book on City. He said, there's loads of other clubs, mentioning no names, but he said, there's never a proper book on City. So I said, how about me doing uh, an enlarged version of what was called Main Road Favourites then, uh, which was post-war. I said, but we'll go back to 1890, which was the first ever FA Cup game, up to 2016. And Roy's seen this, as with Paul, he's, he's endorsed it, and he said, this is a proper book. So it took three years, um, off and on. Uh, it's difficult when I've got a full-time job as well, and a wife. <laughs> And then, of course, football gets in the way at weekends and da-da-da. But uh, it's, it has been a labour of love and I'm really pleased with the way that it's been designed and packaged and, and hopefully fans will like it and get behind it. Month, I mean, straight away, randomly, I've gone to a page where Silvino is on there and I didn't know he was called Junior Silvio Mendez Campos. Mm-hmm. So you've got to do a bit of researching for this, yeah. haven't you? Or you buy a big shirt, a really big shirt to get his <laughs> name on the back <laughs> What's it like for you, Paul, as a, as an ex-player, when you when you see you know your name and your biography in a book like this? Because it must feel a bit surreal in a way, does it? Yeah, it is. Look, I always say I was um, I was a very lucky boy to have the, the career I had and to see my um, name and, and books and and, what, and I'm not just saying this because he's in here. City fans, the book is absolutely fantastic. Um, so if you can get out there and. And buy it down at the Trafford Centre on Saturday, I think. This this coming Saturday, Waterstones in the Trafford Centre from two o'clock. I'll be down there if anybody wants to come and see me, which is fairly remote. I'm hoping to get best part of a a dozen former players down on the day, including the likes of Tony Book, uh, Bobby Kennedy, Mike Summerby, Stan Horn, uh, Tommy Booth, etc., etc., and lots more who have verbally said, yes, I'll be there. But at this moment in time, I can't promise who's going to be there. But we're hoping for a dozen or so, maybe more. 
That'd be brilliant, and they can all sign it as well, they I suppose. Can, absolutely, can't absolutely. That's the whole idea of it. What time did you say you were there? It's from two o'clock this coming Saturday at Waterstones in the Trafford Centre. Fantastic. You know, I, I wrote a few a book a few years ago, and, and and I was lucky enough to sit there, and one or two people turned up for that as well. It is a thrill, Ian. You'll love it. Oh, it's great. It's great. I mean, this is the seventh book I've done on City, and with all, uh, I think all of them, the, the, maybe not the first one, but the last six, the former players, they, they can't offer me any more support. You know, the, the guys have been fantastic. The boys as they're all known, regardless of the fact that some of them are now slightly more than a boy, but uh, they're all known as the boys, and every single time I ask anything, they do it for me. So a big thank you to the former players for that. With the knowledge you've you got, you've got and been a long-standing fan like me, the fact that you've been writing biographies of Billy Meredith and, and players that go way back, and obviously Paul in his era, and now uh, that Sergio Guerrero, does it feel when you're writing these stories that they are very different, or is a footballer just a footballer? Um, there is obviously a difference financially, if nothing else, and conditions, and Paul will back me up, and the medical side of it, and things like that. But the root of it is that they all love playing football. They all love playing football, and they all love playing. They all seem to love playing for us, for City. Uh, so once they put the blue shirt on, no matter where they're born, they're all Manx. You know, and Paul said this to me before we came on air. He's a Manx now. Yeah. He's lived here for 22 years. 22 years, years yeah. You know, and he still has this little bit of a Gaelic twang, but yeah. he's a Manx now. <laughs> Pablo Zabaleta's a Manx. You know, Vincent Company's a Manx now. So, so, and they always will be. You know, Sean Gota, Andy Morrison, they're, they're honorary Manx, but they're, they're still City through and through. Well, it's a fantastic book. Thanks Thank very you. much, uh, Ian, for coming in and telling us about it. And Pleasure. Sure the person who's John, who in Levin's Hume, who's won this, will treasure it. If you want to buy a copy, obviously, you can, presumably you can get them from, from the shop. Or... Yeah, you can buy them on the day from Waterstones. It is in Waterstones branches now. It's on Amazon, and it's also available from uh, John Morton, the publisher in Didsbury. I'm going to leave some uh, details, if I can, if people phone in after the show, saying where you get it from. So I'll leave a, I'll leave some information for that, but it should be fingers crossed available in as they say all good bookshops. So Paul, in the sixty seconds we've got left, City have an international break now. Has it come at the right time, the wrong time? Um, I think probably the right time, not because um, of the performances or anything else. I think purely for the fact that a lot of the players have been away at the World Cup all over the summer. Um, they all won't play a majority of the games over the international break, and it'll just give them a little bit of downtime and. I fully expect City to be back steamrolling everybody over after the international break. Sterling gets a break. De Bruyne is obviously injured, so he sort of gets a break, if you want to look at it that way. Sergio Grau was at the Italian Grand Prix at the weekend, and so was Laporte, so we know that they're on a sort of a break, so it should help a bit, shouldn't it? <coughs> well, do, but, you know, the, the, the way this team works and the way the, the way the management works, that they want the next game as quick as possible, you know, because it always has been with this group and always will be all about the next game. Well, thanks very much, Paul. Thanks very much, Ian, for joining me. And obviously, I know I can't hear at the moment, but thanks very much to Gary Cook. And thanks to you for listening. We'll do it all again next week. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChapaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.